Warning. You are approaching atmospheric boundary. Warning. You are approaching atmospheric boundary. Warning. I hate having to land planet side at night. This cutlass is so frackin' cheap that half the instruments are just stickers and not actual consoles. Can you see the landing strip yet? Nope, but I'm looking. Uh, we're getting low on fuel. We had better find that strip soon. Man, I sure wish this ship came with an actual working radio. I, I think I see it. Uh, two o'clock low. Where? I can't see it. Why the heck doesn't this cutlass come with some lights? Oh, oh, I got it. There it is, there it is. I can see the landing strip lights now. Okay, here we go. Prepare for landing. I, I think we're coming in too fast. You're probably right, but the airspeed indicator is an egg timer. Give me 20% ventral thrusters and we'll slow this baby down. 20% ventral thrusters, I. More ventral thrust. Cut back the main engines. Ventral thrust at 40%. Main engines at 10%. Current altitude is... In... Well, what is it? Uh, unknown. The altimeter is actually a broken watch. Fracking cutlass. Cheap ass. Oh, it's going to be tight. Full ventral thrust. Cut engines. Full ventral. I. Hang on. Whew. We made it. Holy God, this landing strip is short. What is it, 50 feet long at best? Yeah, but but why is it a thousand feet wide? My port thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me at the range point four. This is control, we're radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, sits and sis, and you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 32 and was recorded live on July 26th and made available for download July 29th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Tony. And what do we have this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, we introduce you to some new friends of ours. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, Ten for the Chairman, Episode 30, the latest news on Arena Commander, and the next episode of Around the Verse. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we give you a quick civics refresher in your galactic government, the United Earth Empire. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Sits and Sivs, we are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join us here at Guard Frequency. So, if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, then we would love to hear from you. Just drop us an email with your experience and what you would like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is, after all, a labour of love, but we do look great on a CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com. It's a donate button. Yes, that's right. After six months of clockwork releases, trips to Austin and L.A., plans for Manchester and Cologne, and the occasional, well, more or less frequent detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set that hat out on the sidewalk and hope you toss in your pocket change. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's awfully nice to get the occasional reminder that you guys in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you'll consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. 
And that takes care of all the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. We'll switch normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Joining us for this week's Squawk Box is Steve Bogle and Jimmy Cuevas, a.k.a. Atrocon and Voodoo, the creative minds behind the latest Star Citizen fan production, Citizenry, an all-new community-focused digital magazine. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Welcome to be here. Now, I got pronunciations right on everything, right? Perfect. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, uh, you're uh, the latest in a, in a string of uh, fan publications, podcasts, uh, video casts, digital magazines, digital newspapers, blogs. Tell us what you're bringing to the table. What we're bringing to the table is um, hopefully something that's different that nobody's seen, at least nothing that I've seen out there, and that is a pure digital magazine that is offered through the Apple Store and hopefully in the future real close uh, through Amazon. This is a professionally produced magazine, and we focus directly on the community and what the community is doing, especially the mod makers, composers, music makers, fan art, storytellers, uh, the whole gamut of the Star Citizen uh, fan community. What are the features that you're going to have there to to start off with? Well, Jimmy and I just, just started. We released issue one, and we wanted to put enough out there so that it wasn't too overwhelming so it's roughly 35 36 pages and we know we always want to focus on a ship that's being modded and then one of the organizations that are in the community the other stories then come as we look around and see what's going on with the community if something really interests us we'll have a story about that yeah, one of the initial offerings that we're having is Oddity by uh, 12 and a fantastic artist out of the Philippines. And it's an ongoing comic series. It's just absolutely mm. great. Next issue, we're starting basically just a music blurb. It's going to be music that is created by members of the Star Citizen community that is based on Star Citizen. So it's composers that have created it based on what they have experienced in Star Citizen and... Uh, just kind of using that as their inspiration. Yeah, we have one guy who was really excited about being in the magazine and was giving us all this stuff to listen to. And he wanted to say, well, what, what do you want to compose? You know, what do you want composed for the magazine? And we were like, what are you talking about? You know, we didn't think anything like that. And Voodoo said, well, he started talking with him. And then before you know it, we talked about having a theme song, I think, for the Aurora it was, Voodoo. Actually, the first one is the freelancer, so he's going to create an original song that is his version of a theme song of the freelancer. Uh, And then he's going to go throughout (laughs) each ship and create his own version of a theme song, basically, of that ship. So, so like, Darth Vader has that uh, Imperial March always attached to his entrance. This is the equivalent for the freelancer, huh? Exactly. And it's, you know, the guy literally worked on it for about two weeks, and it is one of the coolest little soundtracks I've heard. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. The guy's a great artist. And he made an excellent choice starting with the freelancer. Didn't he, though? It just, it just screams, make some music for me. That just goes to show you what the community is doing. And the purpose of this magazine was to do a really good professional magazine, but that just promotes and highlights what other really good people are doing out there. So we started with the Osiris. The Osiris I've been following since I've been on the forums. And he's had one of the longest threads, one of the most views of the ship, 
and we contacted him outright and said, hey, well, you know, what's your story? What are you doing? Why are you building this? So we talked with him for about an hour and just got all the background of he went to school to learn this stuff. He does this stuff part-time. But it was a fantastic story just talking to him about his passions and what he wanted to do with it. And then he had sent us all these great exclusive images and then some other animations. And because we were using the digital magazine format, we were able to really create this nice layout like you would see in any magazine spread back in the old days when they used to be paper. But then we were able to pepper it with little bits of video and then also add some interactivity to where you could kind of bounce back and forth between the view of the ship and then the wireframe of it. So you'd have this full screen of the ship, and then you'd click this little button on the side, and you would get the wireframe version of it. And it's just, again, to add some interactivity, to add some depth to the story, and hopefully just to be a really good piece of entertainment for people. So right now, it's the two of you putting this together. So you guys are out there finding these people and inviting them to you. Is that how you guys want to do it going forward, or are you going to need other people to help you uh, generate this uh, fan content? We open it up for anybody to do that exact same thing, what you're just saying, to write for us to go out and find stories like we're doing and then be part of our production. Jimmy's a fantastic writer, so he's, he's really helped do a lot of the front-end stuff here. But we're taking this slow as well. You know, we want this to, we're, we're crafting this as we go along. So we've had a couple people come out to us and say, hey, yeah, you know, I'm interested in doing this and blah, 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 blah. But you can tell they're just really, really excited about doing something and they're not really serious about it. All right. So so what what kind of folks are you are you trying to find out there? What's the background and what's the skill set of, of people you would like to come help you build this magazine? Creative writers, uh, anyone that is... Uh good at just going out if they see something that they are truly interested in and it to them it seems like it is something that uh, would be interesting to the public they don't even need to do it if they even have an idea of hey listen i can't do it but this is a really interesting story and i think you guys should look into it please contact us let us know we'll look into it we'll contact the people and we'll you know we'll make headway but if you're willing to do an interview write something up submit it to us we'd love to take a look at it and sit down with you and discuss what uh, what we can do with uh, one group that we did contact, they were really nervous about how we were going to portray them in the magazine. And that said, I just wanted to send a shout out to uh, Test Squadron uh, and Montoya, who is the leader of uh, Test Squadron, for putting his trust in us and letting us do a fantastic interview with him and putting a really great story out there. And I hope that those guys and he really appreciates it and they like it. You said you guys have a space for an open column. Like I said, this is going to always be a work in progress. And that's what I like about, again, with the magazine format, is we're, we're done with issue one. People who have downloaded it, have experienced it, have enjoyed it, you go through all the 30-plus pages, and then you're kind of done and you sit it down. Issue number two, then, you know, we have some of our mainstays that are going to be in there, but then we can go th- to a whole new direction with whole new different types of content, a whole new theme for that magazine. And then we will put that together, and again, it will be a nice piece of entertainment, uh, something that you can sit down, experience, read through, listen, watch, and then that one will be done. You know, I I looked at creating a blog or creating a website or just having a YouTube channel, and again, this is something I would like to parlay into 
something professional for me as a moving my career into something like this. Now, it's not so much, you know, the Chris Roberts game that I'm talking about, but that's the approach I'm taking with putting this together. There's so much free material out there, and you can search to your heart's content on Star Citizen material, fan art, all the stuff that we're even putting out there. You know, some of it is already there if you search for it. But what we offer is a nice contained package of of really good content that we feel is really good and hopefully you trust us enough to where you think it's really good and you would like to spend that 99 cents for for that issue it's a very strange world out there in media um like when i worked in television you had television you had radio and you had print and that was it and now it's everywhere it's everywhere so you know how can we create something unique in a different experience so anyway, that's kind of why we went this route uh, versus going any of the other routes. So each each issue is going to be its own contained thing. You might have some threads that continue go from issue to issue, but you want each issue to sort of stand on its own. How often will we see these issues? Well, right now we're going to uh, we're pushing every other month. So the next one will come out September. So it's going to be starting out six issues a year, and then hopefully maybe one day more frequent if you have enough material and enough staff. Yes. Because, you know, I don't want to put out garbage. We don't want to rush anything. I've, I've looked at some of these other magazines online for other games as well. People are rushing, you know, rushing just to get something out there. And then they rush a second issue, a third, and then it just kind of dies off because they've ran out of content. Mm-hmm. Or they're just rehashing other content that's already there. You know, we're really focused on uh, giving that really uh, unique experience. And the whole star citizen universe is out there for us to look at and one of the articles that we did um about the uh trading right that was going on there was a whole thing on reddit uh, oh, the gray market the, mm-hmm. the gray, gray market. market piece yes and jimmy got in touch with the guy who was smack dab in the middle of it and here you think there's this you know reddit guy who's just sneaky trying to make a buck and do all this but this guy was truly just trying to help the community out it was a fantastic interview it was a great read and yes i do ask people to go out and download and some of the feedback that we've got are, are you know why is it on itunes i don't have apple i'll never buy apple and blah 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 blah, blah. well apple was the to be honest was the easiest one to do first so they have a, a very easy i don't want to say easy because it took us six months to put this thing together <laughs> to get it all figured out but still it was the uh the easiest thing and there there is a cost to it as well so i've probably sure. invested maybe a thousand dollars in all <laughs> i would like to get some of that back if, if oh, anything sure. as any fan produced production can tell you there are hard dollar costs associated with doing what you do we can attest to that so absolutely well, uh, Steve, Jimmy, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, really it was fantastic. It. Hey, anytime. Before you go, um, how can people get in touch with you if they need to? We have a thread in the Star Citizen community on under the fan sites. It's called Citizenry. So if you do a search there, you'll find it. Or if you go on uh, iTunes, not iTunes, the App Store or the Newsstand Store on the iPad, look for Citizenry and you'll find us also if okay. they if anyone has any suggestions or if they have anything they would like to submit give me a uh, a pm on the forums at robert space industries search for voodoo v-o-o-d-e-u-x and give me a shout i love hearing from you all right thanks guys have you read seen or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com now let's check out some cig news Three, one, seven, five, Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers, green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. 
Our crowdfunding update for July 26, 2014, 48,631,000. We are over halfway to herbalacious glory of floral proportions. Your space plant's on its way, folks. We're into our second week of semi-millionaire status with 507,000 registered users. Feels good. Feels right. We're on our way to the million mark. And if you're just getting into the game, of course, you can get your Arena Commander passes available for 5 bucks. Alpha slots continue to be gone. And a work in progress on the M50. Lots of shiny pics of the M50 for anyone who wants some detailed info on the ship design process. The ship instantly looks like she's related to the 300i and is recognizable as an Origin Jumpworks ship. She's lovely. Actually, she's gorgeous. Also, the planet side got its first major reveal as we were introduced to Arc Corp and Stanton 3. And we're given a tour of the world so far, including a trip to Dumper's Depot. Over the course of five minutes of YouTube magic, CIG shows us what it takes to make an immersive, in-depth, and ultimately beautiful addition to the game. Yeah, did you guys see the video for Planet Side yet? Not yet. Yes. Oh, you've got to go oh, check it out, man. The way that they take you through it, showing you how it goes from grey box to final product, and then give you a bit of a tour around all the various parts. I can't think of words to describe it. This is just going to be such a good game when we can finally get Planet Side, when it's full of NPCs and they're buzzing around doing their stuff. It's going to look really, really good there. The immersion factor in this game is going to be just pretty much outstanding. And uh, what encourages me the most is that even on the low-end settings on Arena, commander it's still beautiful and the planet side systems are going to maintain a high level fidelity even if you don't have the screaming processor and screaming video card i mean i really do think that they're building it from the ground up to show off all the high-end stuff but still make it perfectly playable on a mid-range pc well 10 for the chairman episode 30 is out and as normal chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us all the answers we're wanting to hear and these are the bits that we thought were the most interesting so first up chris was asked will organizations be recognized for their contributions to synth world and chris first started out saying that synth world isn't going to be in the final game since the project in universe ran out of funding however with a lot of large player generated projects like operation pitchfork which for those of you who don't know is going to be a giant player run invasion into Vandal space. They are considering creating content to meet the desires of players who want to do something similar to Operation Pitchfork. This will then lead to going beyond the day-to-day single-player aspects of the game that people can do together into making it large-scale objectives that will require much bigger groups for completion. Chris was then asked about org interfaces for management and replies, Turbulent is designing the org system. There will be apps for the phone and tablets that will, in part, be sort of a gateway into the organizational aspects of the game, where you can manage them from anywhere. Kind of cool and what I was hoping for, but I'm hoping more for the app for um, Star Citizen. I just don't want to see my organization. I want to see the ongoing news content, the ongoing changes in the universe, stock tickers maybe on commodities and that kind of stuff. And be available for all platforms. Including Windows, right, Jeff? I said all platforms. What I'm hoping for with the tablet, though, is that it's going to go uh, a bit further, and it's actually going to be like an extension of what you're able to do or like what you're able to see planet side. I'm really hoping that they're effectively going to release Moby Glass. Ooh, sure, that would be I, really I bet they cool. will. For some traditional, quote, MMOs, what you need to do is you need to have cheeks in seats in the game because that's where you do your microtransactions, and that's where people tend to decide, oh, I need to plunk down a little cash to make this shortcut happen. 
I don't think that that's really going to hold true in this game. I think that a lot of the monetization of the Persistent Universe is going to happen in the Moby Glass environment. And so it would make a ton of sense for them to put that into, say, your Windows RT Nokia device. Ooh, God, did you get that wrong? First of all, (laughs) Windows RT is really not... It's really not a platform. It's a it's a, it's Jeff. a dream, a dream that Balmer had, and and as oh. we know, Balmer didn't have okay. very good dreams. That was a legit troll, and I'm glad yeah. it worked. And the final question we want to highlight is: Will avatars increase G tolerance over time? Well, Chris tells us the answer is twofold. The first fold is that your avatar doesn't have stats and won't quote get better over time, but better gear might help your tolerance. The second fold is your space frame, you know, like an airframe in space can only handle so much strain. So if you try to do a triple MMN all the way across the system, you might tear off a wing or bust a groove all the way across your hull. Yeah, again, makes sense. If you don't have stats, then yeah, there's nothing to adjust. I got a, I got a trope thing. I got a trope thing. I got to get, just get it off my chest. There's going to be artificial gravity in this universe, yeah. right? Which means that people have found a way to generate G-forces absent any sort of maneuver in space that would generate your traditional, what would be perceived as a G-force. Why don't they just put these gravity plates or gravity generators on the ceiling of your ship so when you start pulling Gs, your ship pulls Gs the other direction? It's something that bothers me in every space game or movie when you see somebody turning, you know, pulling G's and they're, oh my God, it's so hard to maneuver. And then, like, they cut to the guy on the capital ship and he's strolling around on the bridge of his ship like there's nothing going on. And, you know, he's he's in space under a constant 1G. Yeah. Like, that would be nice to have in the ceiling of the spaceship of the guy that was just flying a second ago. But again, you know, we're making this whole thing up as we go. So it's a a trope that I always have a problem with in science fiction movies and, and, and games. Well, another week comes, and another week that Parias is sat just twiddling his thumbs as there is no new 12.5 patch. However, CIG say that if it all goes well, we will be seeing 12.5 launched next week. So, good news. Even better news is that if you're not one of the lucky 200,000 backers that are currently enjoying multiplayer lag and all, then provided that patch 12.5 survives contact with those 200,000 that are currently in and doesn't cause any major issues for those already dealing with multiplayer, then CIG will be expanding the number of players again so that more players will be able to play multiplayer and get into the arenas and slog it out with the best of us and with Tony. The crew at CIG have spent countless hours tracking down and tackling the bugs head-on and as a result have managed to create a few new tools which will help them in their bug hunting process so the next time that there's an issue they will be able to fix it faster than a speeding vandal. Two pieces of fiction this week. First up, the continuation of Orbital Supermax with episode four where Captain Kilkenny and the Nova Dogs demand a prisoner. Martin Browning. Problem is, this prisoner doesn't seem to exist. Will the crew have enough time to man the turrets and blow up the fighters in the landing bay? Well, you'll have to check the link in the show notes to find out. Next up is an inner-universe editorial post entitled Stop Blading, where a heartbroken mother posts about the tragic loss of her son, Tarek, in a practice known as blading, where punk-ass young teens fly into Vandal hot zones and these whippersnappers wait for the computer to declare the Vandal has a target lock on them, and then you got to outrun it and outmaneuver the pursuer and head for home. Why, you might ask? Well, to impress your friends, of course. You know, listen, we all did stupid things when we were young. Just none of them really involved throwing yourself in the path of barbarian, cannibal, blood-hunting aliens. And this is supposed to be a test of bravery? I think it's more of a test of stupidity. 
I mean, you know, if you think back in the 50s where they had like, uh, you know, those, those 50s movies where you raced for pinks, quote unquote, you know, the title certificates of your car or you played chicken. I, I think this is the 30th uh, century version of that. But I, I have that problem, Jeff. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. This is a little crazy. I mean, OK, fine. It's another world. It's science fiction. It's a little fantastical. That's fine. Here's my thing. What are teenagers doing with spaceships? Exactly. I mean, well, they never said they owned them. You know, if you imagine that space travel is an everyday thing, then there's no reason why you wouldn't lend your kid your ship on the weekend to go and see his friends on Pluto. Don't you have to have a pilot cert? But are, are you got and all the other stuff there? Yeah. Well, yeah, probably, but then you don't know what age you can get that at. You know, you might be able to get it at 15 or something. Well, I want to translate this down into sort of gameplay mechanic stuff. So if any teenager can, like, borrow his dad's Aurora or whatever, and dad's got no problem with this, why is there any barrier to entry for a new player character to just own a ship? Yeah. I mean, these things should be like a dime a dozen for a, a player character, right? We should fill up all of our garages with 12 Auroras, shouldn't we? Well, no more than in real life you wouldn't have 12 pickups. No, oh, you don't live in Kansas. <laughs> That's, that is true. I do not. Some people do have 12 pickups, depending on who you are. Well, but in, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, if you are, if you run a small farm, you do have several trucks and maybe a semi-trailer that hauls crops and stuff to the grain elevator. I mean, if you're running a small business, you do have a variety of vehicles on hand. But it just seems weird to me that teenagers have access to interstellar travel and that they are not controlled nearly well enough at the jump points so that they can get to these insanely, ridiculously dangerous places. It just seems odd to me. It just sort of rang a weird bell. Yeah, thing. and uh, when you try and translate it to real-world terms, this is the equivalent of a kid taking a Cessna into the middle of Iraq. Yes. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's yeah. just something that wouldn't happen. In the words of a famous comedian from the olden days, from the 50s when they were racing for pinks and playing chicken, they got some splena todo. All right, well, that's our community question for this week. What does the blading epidemic mean for the economics of ships in the verse? Does every teenager with a 30th century version of a paper route own his own starship? Or is this a problem that only spoiled idiots with more money than sense have to deal with? Let us know on our show post over at GuardFrequency.com or on this episode's thread over at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. It's been just over a month since we waved a sad goodbye to the next great starship competition, but the talented sits and sieves of the verse don't need no stinking 30k prize dangling before them like a carrot on a stick as this week's fan spotlight shows us with part two of their look at fan-created starships. Our screens were decorated with fine creations as we see Kaiwa's yet-to-be-named Heavy Fighter, Rand Hannigan's Ginkgo, Karana Mantis's Straith, and Cassian's unnamed recon vessel. So if you hunger for more fan-created starships, then head over to the RSI website. I liked that recon that vessel. Was, uh, that was that, so nice. I know, that was cool. It's nice to see these things, but realistically, I know that probably half of what I see won't ever get in there, and it's kind of disappointing at times. Well, I don't know. I mean, the next great Starship we know was a trial run for a content pipeline service from start to end. So if these people are still around in a couple of years' time when that process is hopefully more solidified and we've got an actual game to put it in, then uh, there is no reason why we might not see things like Cassine's recon vessel actually in the verse. The latest episode of Around the Verse landed in our laps this week, bringing us the best from around the Star Citizen community and letting us get one step closer to the folks creating the game. This week, we learned that the Arena Commander team are working on the rubber banding and lag fixes, and it's going well so far. Fingers crossed they're hoping to release that 12.5 patch soon. The team at Foundry 42 are working on a new game mode called New Horizons, which will be revealed to us very, very soon. 
TM. And they're also doing HUD designs for the new ships, including the 350R, the Super Hornet, and the Constellation. Woo-hoo. Concept work has begun on the Xi'an cargo ship, and we learned that Mark was getting rid of his gold shirt. <gasps> yeah. And don't- uh, yeah, and donating it to a worthy cause. I want to know, though, if they have another Next Great Starship competition, what's he going to wear? He'll probably go to Goodwill and find leotard. another gaudy shirt to wear. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to crowdsource his wardrobe for the next one. Squadron 42 white boxing for missions 1 and 2 are at a playable stage. It's getting closer, getting closer. And we also hear from the Persistent Universe team who are researching volumetric cloud effects for the atmosphere and have imported the galaxy data for the first five star systems. And we have some ship news. Grey Box continues on Gladiator, Javelin, Panther, Retaliator, and Gladius. Concept work on the 890 jump has been completed, and I think we saw a sneak peek of that out there. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. I so want one. I'm not, I'm not a fan. You're not? No, I, I, I really agree want with one. Tony. I am not a fan. Uh, it's the two to one split I have, again. I, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, but I did, I'm sorry. It looked like sort of a, a, a squashed, weird. Uh, dum, genetic freak dum, of a dum, uh, Star Destroyer. Dum, yep. Dum, yep. Like, it, it, imagine that Imperial March theme played not with a medieval lute, but with like a banjo and and a jug. <laughs> like it, the Alabama version of that, of the Imperial March. I do see what you guys mean by that. And I know that that's like a very common thing on the forums, but I know that the interior is going to be, well, it's, it's going to be origin style. You know, it's going to be a classy vessel. So I'm really looking forward to it. I like the design of it. I like the shape of it. It's different than everything else that we've got so far and you just know that the interior is going to be just super super sexy the anvil carrick concept is being worked on by the team at austin mustang variant concepts are being worked on and animation work on the constellation super hornet and m50 are well underway this week's interview was a familiar face from wingman's hangar mr rob irving who gave us a lot of juicy details about the future of star citizen saying that for earth cities although you won't be walking around manhattan on day one there will be familiar landmarks for you to spot in the background if you own a freelancer or some other ship that can carry cargo and that isn't well secured design team haven't yet decided what happens when your character is hit on the back of the head with some heavy crate. Although Rob did say he probably wouldn't kill you. So that was nice of him. Finally, he clears up the confusion surrounding the term max crew on the ship's spec sheets, saying that that number is really just the number of functional seats, the number of seats that there is an action tied to. For example, pilot, co-pilot, gunner, etc. seats. You can have more people in the ship, they just won't have anything to do. And I am quite pleased that he confessed finally that the spec sheet is just a huge troll. I am very glad to hear him say that. The truth is out there now. He basically just said that all the numbers, you know, like the celery rated shield generators are just there to stir up controversy. Right, okay. I I wasn't too sure if this was a a veiled attempt for you to get your hard points back. Like the Constellation upgrades, is that what you're talking about? My my rant about the upgrade slots? Yes, sorry, that's what I meant on the hard points. Yes. As far as I know, they were never gone. Do you know what is another really important question, Tony. What? You're only going to ask okay. Tony? You don't want my opinion? Fine. I'll just go I'll, sit I'll in the corner I'll throw this now. one out to you as well, then. Right. Okay. No, no, no. That's fine. Take a seat. Ready? Are you guys ready? Yes, we're both ready. Where the f*** is the Avenger mission pack? Ah, this is a good question. Um, it's not in the 12.5 patch, as far as I can tell. That's that's true. Do you think they're actually going to release an Avenger mission pack? Or do you just think this is going to be the biggest content drought ever? Uh, it could be. I mean, we've already found out this week that the ship specs page is a giant troll. And it could be that the Avenger mission pack and the uh, instructions for the Arena Commander game 
might also be a giant troll. Uh, we could be devoting an entire segment of our show every week to being trolled by CIG, which would make it an excellent troll. So, in this time of content drought, what have you been up to, Tony? Uh, Kerbal Space Program was on sale on Steam, Ooh. so I finally bought it. Okay, how many yeah. Kerbals have you yeah. got stranded in orbit? Oh, I haven't had actually any time to play oh, it. Oh, okay. I just you bought, just bought it. it. Like, oh, one of these days when I, my days are not soaked up by prairie chickens and their problems, uh, I will actually play this game. You should get on that. You should start earning your science. Yes, I've discovered this mechanic of science where I have to look at the goo. Yes. I have children, so I'm familiar with this mechanic. Okay, so, Jeff, Tony has been watching goo. What have you been up to? A couple items. I picked up Ace Combat from Steam. And then uh, Destiny Beta came to my Xbox One, and so I've been playing that for the last couple of days. That's going to be a great game. What have you been doing, Lennon? Well, I've been playing a strategy game called Europa Universalis 4. You tried to get me familiar with it, but I have a feeling it's going to be worse than my Civ addiction. It's definitely more strategic than Civ. Battles in Civ are generally auto-resolved anyway, but this it's basically you just leave them to get on with it whilst you're planning world domination on another scale. You should get on it. In fact, next time it comes up on Steam Zone, you're going to get a gift. Oh no! It's gonna happen. No, no, you're a bad, you're a bad, bad enabler, Mr. Rich. Very bad. All right, but we do have a tip for everybody this we week. We do though. have a tip this week, and this week's tip is hollow tables for beginners. So, if you own multiple ships or you have spent all of your hardened credits buying weapons at the VD store, then you might want to try actually equipping different guns on your ship. But you may be a little unsure of how to actually do this. Well. Luckily, Guard Frequency are here to save the day. So the first step, naturally, is finding your hollow table. Generally, it's positioned near the first ship in your hangar, or it's at the far end on the firing range. You tend to have a couple in each one. So just walk up to that sucker and interact with the F key. Once you've got the table interactive, center the hollow table projection in your view and press the Tab key to enter interactive mode. Then, use the left mouse button to drag the ship you wish to interact with into the main viewing area, and this will select the ship for use in the later menus. Still using the left mouse button, drag the wheel that appears at the top. It's like a menu select bar that says power, weapons, ships, and so on. Select the weapons tab. Then using the right mouse button, orient your ship, and now you can see the weapons are highlighted along with their hard points. You can remove the weapons by dragging them from your ship to the weapons list on the right hand side of the projected image of your ship, or you can add them to your ship by dragging them from the weapons list back to the highlighted hard points. Watch out for mount size and the class which appear at the bottom in an item description pane which is just down to the left below your ship. And if you happen to lose a hard point, look for a tiny disc shaped object in your weapons list and drag that back to the location of the missing hard point. All of the changes that you make will happen in real time, so as soon as you equip a weapon on your ship via the holo table, it will actually appear on your ship model in the hangar. There's no need to save the configuration, so when you're done, push F to switch off the holo table and walk away. Well, with the latest news from CIG done, let's all learn about the government in the UEE in the this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the illuminated details from the inside out. Fair warning up front, though, this game is very much still in active development, so everything that we say is subject to change. This week, we're going to bring you something a little different, taking a break from our usual discussion of game mechanics as we take a look at the United Empire of Earth. The United Empire of Earth, or the UEE for short, is, well an empire that started out after the unification of Earth as humanity reached beyond the borders of its solar system and into the deep black. 
The UEE has expanded across many worlds, often through conquest and military expansion, and are famed for their ability to take inhospitable planets and terraform them to suit their own needs. The UEE is somewhat reminiscent of the Roman Empire. There's an imperator who serves the role of monarch, and there's also a senate. Much like the Roman Empire, citizenship in the UEE is not automatically granted by virtue of birth, but instead must be earned, either through military service or some other important civic duties. Although we haven't been given any firm details, there's a lot we can assume about the citizenship based on the model that CIG are using, the Roman Empire. Citizens, unlike civilians, are allowed to vote on important issues being raised through the Senate. They can also stand for public office, such as senator or magistrate. And there is a concept of human rights associated with being a citizen of the Empire, meaning that you'll be given the full support of the Empire should you find yourself in difficulties with a foreign power. If you're a civilian, then there are limited help available if you find yourself in hostile territory. But if you wanted to run for senator, well, you're just out of luck. Naturally, the UEE has a military, consisting of the Army, the Navy, and the Marines. These three branches are overseen by the High General's Office, who in turn is overseen by the Imperator. The UEE Advocacy is the main police force for the UEE. The branch that most people will be familiar with is the Navy, as they control everything that goes on above and between planets. From running spaceports to operating in large-scale confrontations, the Navy is the branch that controls space and spaceships. In Squadron 42, our characters will be serving in the UEE Navy. Much like their present-day counterparts, the UEE Marines are the first response shock troop branch. Originally under the control of the Army, they weren't officially separated in a form as their own division until the end of the First Tavaran War. Now famed <laughs> from here to the Outer Rims, the Marines are highly trained weapons of warfare and nothing more. No diplomacy missions, no search and rescue, get in, take control of the combat zone from hot to cold, and get the hell out of there. If the Navy are the guardian angels of space and the Marines are the big guns, then the Army is the glue that holds civilization together. Consisting of ultra-mechanized ground forces, the Army is responsible for any land-based military actions. While it doesn't have the sheer manpower of the Navy, it's the oldest branch of the military, able to trace its origins back to the United Nations of Earth. The infamous First Imperator Ivan Messer got his first taste of combat in the UEE Army. Finally, the advocacy is the police force of the UEE, and is most similar to the FBI, or if you're British like me, the Met, in that their jurisdiction can cross borders. The advocacy reports to the High Advocate, the leader of law enforcement and judiciary of the United Empire of Earth. Well-trained advocacy agents who rely as much on their hotshot piloting skills as on their superior investigative ability are rightly feared by the criminal world. A single agent poses enough of a threat to them to say nothing of a group dispatched for high-profile captures and events. Even taking out an agent will not save them, as the agency will ruthlessly send another and another and another until justice is finally served. While the advocacy does handle fugitives, they have been known to outsource to the Bounty Hunters Guild. So you may be wondering how this may affect gameplay in the Persistent Universe. Well, being modeled after Rome, we've reached a period where there is a growing schism between the western and eastern parts of the Empire, which is overextended and facing difficulty keeping the borders safe. The west, which includes Earth, remains militaristic, largely due to the presence of volatile alien factions like the Vanduul. The east, which includes the trade hub Terra, with ten known jump points, is much more focused on trade and diplomacy with the two nearby friendly alien factions. Eventually, the two sides will split off from each other, which, as any good historian will tell you, eventually causes the Empire to collapse. The sacking of Earth has also been indicated as a future in-game event. 
Mm. I am Mm. quite a bit of an armchair historian and I'm a massive fan of the Roman Empire. So when I was investigating the UEE, I wasn't aware that they were going to have a sacking of Earth and that the period in which... Oh, really? You didn't know? I didn't know. I didn't know. So this was just... This afternoon was an utter revelation. And the fact that the game is set during a period where we are going to see the Empire of Earth divided is right at the antiquity period. Uh, Although future Mm -hmm. antiquity, I don't know how that would work. But it's right at the period at which point the two empires become their own separate sort of factions with the west largely being a vassal to the east but still independent nations and i'm even more excited now i i was so looking mm-hmm. forward to you know the dogfighting and the trading and the swapping of fish but now this <laughs> now i'm uh, really excited you're gonna find the parallels in history uh, they're gonna they're gonna look into the parallels of history to find what people should be doing with their in-game time you know if you can think of a old roman occupation during that time it'll probably have a parallel of some kind in the universe here if you if you were somebody that was a go-between between rome and constantinople some sort of diplomatic career whatever that's going to be something you can do in the game if you were somebody that was heading off the vandals you might be somebody that's going to fight the vandul they're they're going to be borrowing a lot of stuff jobs historical events so you know it sets up that kind of drama and that's part of the fun of having a game design team who is sort of steeped in the quote real world of history and military fiction and military strategy that look we can take these lessons that uh, we've learned throughout history and sort of expound upon them in this fictional world that we're going to create and as we like to do every couple of weeks we're going to throw the keys over to you and we're going to run another ship poll so if there's a particular ship you would like us to talk about next week in Nuggets for Nuggets head on over to the Guard Frequency website so it's guardfrequency.com slash 032 for this episode and look down at the bottom where there will be a poll and you can vote on next week's Nuggets for Nuggets topic Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sib taught you that we should all know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! From our show post at guardfrequency.com, Sean Newboy writes in and says, Wonderful episode, everyone. And from our amazing donors of monetary goodness, for a second week in a row, Anonymous lines our copper with $10. Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah, Thanks, I thought they were a, a hacking group, you know, but turns out they appreciate a good space podcast. I actually think Anonymous is probably just for internet goodness, wherever it may be. Yeah, probably so, I'm sure. Because they like us, so they can't be all bad. They can't be all bad. From our email, squawk at guardfrequency.com, Ghost Hamburger says, Your podcast is one of the few things getting me through the week. You cannot know how valuable your time and effort is to me. Thank you so much. Aw, I'm tearing up a little bit, guys. I'm, I'm lost for words. I, okay, I'm done. Okay. I wouldn't mind if you lingered over the news a little longer. Give us more analysis and opinion. I love to hear you guys explain the angles. I learn a lot of things I would not have otherwise known or thought about. Well, 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 well. <laughs> oh, goes from yeah. emotionally touching to ego swelling. Well, then. <laughs> yes. I, 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 hang on, i got to adjust Let my headphones. E- my head just got two sizes too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully uh, Mr. Ghost Hamburger, which is a, a really strange type of food there. You know, it, is it a real hamburger? Is it the ghost of a hamburger? Do you still get the bun, just not the meat? I need to know these things. Anyway, 
we take your feedback on board and hopefully this week's new segment will be a little bit more in-depth for you. A lot of the time, though, it does just come down to a timing issue. I am, uh, I'm well known on this podcast for being what is termed as a clock Nazi. And yes. that is that I like to try and get our shows about 45 minutes in length. And sometimes when it gets to be a bit of a choice between delivering the content and delivering the banter, then unfortunately it's usually the banter that ends up getting cut or at least trimmed down heavily. But, you know, we will try and open it up a few bits maybe be a bit more selective with the news and a lot more opinionated because mainly Tony's wrong about everything but hopefully this episode will be a little bit more to your you're liking, wrong about so. that you're wrong about me being wrong you're wrong about I'm that. wrong about you being wrong. wrong that's a double negative Tony and I've told you I this know. before double negatives are a no-no <laughs> okay that was good I like hey, that one. grammar jokes and Johnny reminds us to live long and prosper well Thanks, Johnny. But you might be interested in this other podcast that we've sort of got going on. It's called Priority One. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. So, how was the show? Did it make you feel proud to be a American? Or were you thinking of inviting the British over for a spot of tea and recolonization? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check us out on our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or you can find us on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 32 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 33 on August 13th. No show next week as we're supporting our sister production, Priority One, as they cover the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at GuardFrequency.com or our post over at Robert Space Industries Fan Sites Forum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website, and all of the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in our show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come join the team? If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals, so if you'd like to be part of the best damn space sim podcast ever, then we would love to hear from you. And if you're looking for a friendly winger man or two, well, why not check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, then come and join us live at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start broadcasting at 8 p.m. Central, which is 2 a.m. Sunday GMT. And we want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Thanks to our community manager, Jay Chivalry Bean, and artist Simon Tarleton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Down to 7700 Squawk 7700 Stay on the guard. We're into our second week of semi-millionaire status. I said space plant, but it doesn't matter. Didn't I say space plant? No, I, I, I went space plant. I did it for dramatic oh. effect. I will refrain from doing did it. Did I ruin it by calling it out? Yeah, never mind. Oh, Post-production's a wonderful I'm thing. really sorry. <laughs>
I know, but most people think of all platforms as Apple and no, Android. No, 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 no. Then, then they must. Then, <laughs> then seriously, you need to go back to school and get an education. And uh, but but the Nokia phones and the tablets and and the Pro surfaces are really good stuff. You should check them out. And I will expect my check in the mail, Microsoft. And slog it out with the best of us, and with Tony. The crew have spent <laughs> countless hours tracking the crew. Sorry, that came in really lagged. It did come in really lagged because I was deciding whether or not I wanted to cry or laugh. And I decided I would laugh. <laughs> it's funny. Spotlight shows us with part two of their look at fan-created starships. Our screens were decorated with fine creations as we see Kai Watts is yet to be named Heavy Fighter. Do you give this segment to Jeff just to listen to no, him do this? Because last time he, are we that thin on the blooper he, reel? He kept complaining that he got the fiction pieces and couldn't pronounce the names. So <laughs> I'll make sure I give you the fiction pieces, but then I've had the piece before, and so it falls to Jeff. It's not my fault, man. Okay. Any questions, comments, slide remarks? No. I think no, perfect. All right, take us away, Jeff. Well, with the latest, never mind. Shut up. I'm gonna go grab some coffee. Keep going. All right, Len's gonna get some coffee. We're gonna export all this. I sure hope that's coffee being poured into a cup right now. <sighs> and we're gonna take a quick musical break. Be right back. Create a form as their own division until the end of the first tavern. Until the end of the first tavern. <laughs> Eventually, the two sides will eventually. Eventually, eventually the two sides, the two will, sides will eventually split. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Eventually, the two spli- the two splides, the two splides will split. I'm a grammar joke Nazi and a clock Nazi. Hey, be, careful that. be careful with that. Be careful with that. We had. might get some people that take uh, exception to that word of using, you know, that that term. But uh, not me. Sorry, I'm a clock Ivan Messer. <laughs> the clock imperator. Yeah, there I'm you a go. clock imperator. There you go. <laughs> Keeping it in the verse. <laughs>